Welcome to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. This is the place where you'll learn cutting-edge personal brand strategies from today's most recognizable influencers. We're going to teach you how to build a rock-solid reputation and then how to turn that reputation into revenue. I'm your lead host, Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group, Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs. I love Lovey Ajayi, and you are, this is the second time we've had her back on you the show. You left the Jones out, Rory. That's right, you were Jones now, too. I can't <laughs> I believe that. I should have said that. Lovey Ajayi Jones now. She's a married woman. Yep. Coolest wedding ever, by the way. <laughs> Pictures on social were awesome. But so Lovey is a friend. She's a New York Times bestselling author. Her first book was called I'm Judging You, The Do Better Manual. She has a viral TED Talk that has, I think, like 5 million more views than mine, which makes me also a little 5. bit jealous. 5.6 million. 5.6 <laughs> million. I just checked today. Uh, she is co-authoring a book, an anthology with Brene Brown, which is pretty awesome, and a whole bunch of awesome people. She has hundreds of thousands of people following her on social and through her blog. She's been in, you know, one of the OG bloggers for like 15 years. She hosts a fantastic podcast. And the reason that we're talking to her now is she has a new book out called Professional Troublemaker. The Fear Fighter Manual, which is all about overcoming fear and living audaciously. And so when Lovey was here the first time, we talked more about like the technical parts of how she built her audience over years. I don't know what episode number that is, but we'll put a link to it in the show notes back to that first episode. But what we didn't really talk about, which is what we're going to talk about today, is the emotional side and the kind of like mental side of putting yourself out there and overcoming fear when it comes to building your your personal brand. So anyways, Lavi Ajayi Jones, welcome to the Hurry stage. Baited. Thank you so much for having <laughs> me back. Yeah, well, all right. So let's talk about fighting fear, the fear yeah. fighter. And I have to say, one of the things, there's so many things I love about you that I admire about you. There's a thing specifically that I think you have like one of the things that you have that I think I wish I had more of was boldness. I think that that's held me back in terms of, you know, my ability to grow on social to not be as pointy and sharp as I probably could. And I think part of the reason why is because I am scared of being judged, right? Like I am scared of what people will think and et cetera. And Anyways, I think that anyone building a personal brand has some of that, except you don't seem to. <laughs> you just like have so much confidence and boldness. Like, how do you do that? Where does that come from? Like, were you born with it or can I learn it? <laughs> I think it can be learned, but I think I was born with some of it. Some of it. I think the boldness of it all that I show up as, like I say what other people are thinking, but dared not to say it's not that I'm not afraid of being judged is that I realized that being judged is not the worst case scenario. Mm. It's one of those things that is a foregone conclusion. If you are going to be somebody of notes and create and be somebody of impact, you will either repel people or also love them or be loved deeply by them. There's no middle ground to be able to be loved deeply by people means your whole character, how you will show up, will also repel some people. Some people will judge you for it. Some people will not connect with you, and that's fine. I always think about the people who 
I'm deeply loved by the people who, when I write, when I speak, say, you just took the thoughts out my head, put it on paper thoughts. I didn't even realize I had now. I think a lot of us have the tendency to swallow away what we want to do and how we want to show up because of that fear of judgment. We're afraid of somebody not liking us or, oh my gosh, I'm afraid of how somebody else is going to take this thing. And I think for me growing up, I come from a family and a culture. Nigerians are culturally loud and <laughs> really just boisterous. I, I was going to say when I introduced you, I was like, you're my favorite Nigerian friend. But then I was like, unfortunately, you might be my only Nigerian. I might friend. be your only Nigerian. And I was like, well, that sucks. <laughs> That's not good for you or for me. But anyways, you, I think you you definitely hold that title. But I, I need some more Nigerian friends. You do but need anyways, some more Nigerian you, friends. You are, my, you are my favorite. I'm just the gateway Nigerian for you. Don't worry. Like, <laughs> yeah, you will- <laughs> I'm the gateway Nigerian. You will find other Nigerians through me. But I think we're very boisterous as a culture. Like growing up, who I was was never told to be less. I was given Mm. permission to be bold. I was a four or five-year-old who, when I got in trouble, I would challenge my mother about it. I'd be like, I don't think it was fair. Here's the part that I think was not fair to me. And even though I'm sure I got on her nerves, she never. I'm not going to let Jasper listen to this episode, just so you know. <laughs> Jasper, like he's, let him have he, it. Let him have not, it. He's not. He's not going to listen to this one. I used to literally be like, "Mom, I'll accept the punishment. I'll take it, whatever the punishment was." And then after the fact, I'll circle back with a note, telling her my perspective, telling her why I didn't <laughs> think it was fair, telling her why I think I was wronged. Okay, and it's funny, like she never told me not to be that person. So I grew up not doubting that person that I was. I grew up not Mm. doubting my voice. And I think the power of that is that the boldness became less of a, I have to push myself to be this. It became my default. And one of the things that we can learn in being more bold is being pragmatic about the, our purpose and and what we're doing in this world is you, you created a whole business on helping people solve a problem. And one of the things that you pointed out that I do is I help solve the problem of powerlessness. Mm. And the way I do it is through my boldness. I show up in a certain way and people get to see and say, if she can do it, maybe I can do something close to, maybe I can also be myself. So in learning the boldness, honestly, it comes in just watching other people do it, Rory. Like you were on a thing with a cohort that I had where we talked about brand building and the last five minutes of you being on I told my team afterwards, I was like, we have to put this as an episode of the podcast, because Mm. in that moment, it's like you borrowed boldness from me. How you actually showed up that day was way more bold than I've actually typically seen you. Mm. And what that lets me know is, I guess we can borrow other people's traits or the people that we're around will infuse certain things into us, which lets me know that we can actually do it even when they're not there. So like you came and gave such, it was so pointed. You're typically very pointed, but on that day, your energy was different. It was so like strong. And so I'm just going to say this thing because I need you guys to understand why it's important for you to stand in your purpose. And you came with full fire. And I'm just like, Rory's typically very chill, very like, hey, (laughs) you came with fire. And I was like, okay, it can be done. And you do do it. It just shows up differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that. It really is true. I mean, I do feel like it is contagious. And you when you see someone else doing it, I mean, now, let me just ask you this. Like, I've just been curious about asking you this. 
and you don't have to answer if we tread into water that you don't feel comfortable about, but you are very outspoken about personal beliefs. You yeah. know, like you've got this ex, you got expertise around helping people live audaciously and chase down fear. You also share a good bit of your political viewpoints and whatever, socioeconomic or whatever you want to call it, cultural yeah. beliefs. First of all, I'm curious, do you actually wrestle and go, do you ever wonder, should I post this? Or does that, not, do you not even have that filter? Do you just go, oh, hell no. If I'm thinking it, it's coming out. And if you do have a filter, how do you kind of determine what passes through the filter of going like, does this serve my audience somehow? Does it align with my business goals? Mm -hmm. Or like just, yeah. So is there a filter? And if there is, tell us like what that is. Yes. I have been blogging for 18 years at this point, half my life. Wow. I started blogging in 2003. And when I started, there was no strategy behind it. But I think as I got bigger, as I finally called myself a writer, as my platform got bigger, I started understanding what was happening. It's kind of like the unfolding of purpose. And mm -hmm. as my platform got bigger, I didn't change my voice. What changed was my level of responsibility in how I was showing up, right? right? Like when I had 300 followers, I could say whatever I wanted into the ether. It didn't matter. Today, I can't say whatever I want, right? It has to be way more thoughtful. So I do absolutely have a filter in how I okay. say something, what I jump into as a culture critic, as a side-eye sorceress, as a writer, a shady Nigerian. I think having the filter <laughs> is good. Like it's really good. You have to have a way to figure out when you're not going to just be impulsive and saying something just to say something. I want to always make sure I'm not just speaking because I want my voice heard because I just feel like talking. So that's why I have three questions that I ask myself whenever I want to say something, especially when it feels like I'm going into territory that could be contentious. And the first question is, do I mean it? Like, am I actually saying this thing because this is my belief? So two, can I defend it? If I am challenged on it, can I actually back it up? Can I stand in it? Because here's the thing is the judge will be judged. And then three, can I say it thoughtfully? So all of these are important because if I say yes to all three, I decide to say it. The third question of can I say it thoughtfully is really important because then it's what makes it come out more thoughtful. It's what makes it come out with as little as possible hate, right? And I hope I never operate with hate, but I always try to figure out what is the way to say this that will land the best or do I think it's going to land the best? Now, with my three filters, these three questions quantifying my decisions, it's not with the guarantee that whatever I say will be like well received. It's just a risk mitigator. It is just a way for me to create some criteria to at least anything that doesn't pass, I don't say it out loud. If it's not passing the three questions, I'm not saying it. But then if it does pass and I say it, here's the thing it can still go weird where somebody's like, oh, I don't like this thing you said, or, oh my gosh, this is what I took away from it. And I think those are the moments where we have to understand that we are not here to appease everybody. It's not our responsibility to make everybody comfortable or to make everybody feel good because we were really nice that day. I think our responsibility is to do what we were put here for. And a lot of times that thing is going to run afoul of somebody because if it is purpose-driven, it's pretty strong in some way. Hmm. You know, there are going to be people who are going to be like, I just don't like what she just said, just because it's Monday <laughs> or Tuesday. But I think once my filter runs through, I go, that's my obligation. 
My obligation is to myself. Have I done my own job of making sure I'm showing up as best as possible? If I have, hey. So then how do you balance this, right? So on the one end, it's like you're unapologetic, mm -hmm. you're bold, you're mm -hmm. audacious. Mm -hmm. But then even you, you're saying there is a level of discernment or filtering yes. or, you know, might even use the word diluted or like that you're tempering it somehow. And, you know, I guess I'm asking because I'm genuinely interested for me, like sometimes I feel like I'm too tempered, like I'm too safe. I'm too comfortable. I'm too afraid to like stir up whatever. But then I think, you know, I also see very much the danger and the risk of like, oh, you know, going too far or whatever. And so what I hear you saying is that basically it's just you got to just stay centered in your purpose, what you believe yes. that you're put here to say, and then just say that as cleanly and loudly as you can. That's it. That's really it. And honestly, it's not even a case of tempering or censoring myself. It's that discernment is actually the right word for it. That mm. is the right word for it. Get in the spirit of discernment because, you know, when you're young and you decide, oh, I'm just going to just keep it real. Yeah, you're probably going to be saying a lot of thoughtless things. But I think the older you grow, like, again, the bigger the platform gets, you also have to wield this power responsibly. So people who know me in real life and who, like, have known me since high school will read a piece I wrote and say, this sounds just like you still. So I always mm -hmm. want to make sure that I am present in whatever I put forward, that even as a platform is getting bigger, nobody can say that doesn't even sound like lovey. No, no, no. It's always going to be me. I'm just being smarter about it. And that doesn't mean I'm not cussing. That doesn't mean I'm not showing anger <laughs> or strong opinions. I'm still doing all of that. But I think I am a better thinker and a better writer and a better leader now than for sure 10 years ago. And it's not because I was censoring myself. It's because this discernment, like a spirit of discernment is even better. I'm sharper about it. And I want you to not think too hard about going the other way. Like I see how you move, Rory. You straight, like you keep it nice and cool. But I think giving yourself permission to say what you truly believe is necessary. It's necessary because you also have so many people who are watching you, who are listening to you and how you show up is amazing. Your words matter in a big way. So if I was to ever see you say something strong, I'll know you actually meant it. And it'd make me pay attention even more. I'd be like, wait a minute, Rory's out here using caps. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because I saw you, you know, I made a post about my dad on his birthday about oh, the story about how I found my dad. And I noticed that you left a comment and a lot of people did. And that was a very emotional, just like a very, a very real thing. Hi, it's AJ Vaden. And thanks for listening to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. Did you know that the ideas we share on the show are things we actually specialize in helping you implement? If you want to raise your public profile and turn your reputation into revenue, please visit freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for a free brand strategy call with one of our personal brand strategists. Again, that's freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for your free call. Talk to you soon. So let me ask you this. What are you afraid of right now? Or are hmm. you afraid? Like, 
what's going on right now that you are scared of? You know, I have a fear of success. We talk about fear of failure all the time. I think fear of success is just as real. And it's part of the reason why I self-sabotage sometimes by procrastinating. I figured that out in therapy when my therapist was like, you're because it was last year, actually, when I was on the hook for finishing my book and I'd go into sessions and she'd be like, so where are you with it? How's it going? I'd be like, yeah, about that. I didn't really write anything this week. And one session she asked me, she was like, so why do you think you didn't write anything this week? And I was like, I don't know. I didn't have time. I was just sitting on the couch. And she was like, could this be a form of self-sabotage? And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, what are you afraid of with this book that is making you stall on it? And I think I was afraid of like, what if the book did what I think it will do? Like, what if it does somehow help a million people conquer fear? Like, how does that change my life? How does that level up change what's around me? Yeah. Fear of success is real. And so you're saying that, you know, let's say the book sells a million copies that forces you to live in a different way because your life at that level looks different than the way it does now. And that is uncertain. And that is scary. Yeah. I have to hire more people. And it's just, it's the fear of like, am I equipped for the next level? Mm. Yeah. And so how do you overcome that then? One, I say it out loud as a starting point, acknowledge it. I talk to people like you who know what level up look like. I basically say and ground myself with some affirmations that's like, whatever you need, you got it. And I just ride the wave. And I try to figure out the moments when I'm self-sabotaging, when I'm trying to pull myself back. I talk to friends and yeah, I do all of that. It's a, it's a constant ritual of like, you got this, you got this. If you do have to hire more people, you got this, <laughs> like it'll be fine. And again, like talking to and having, you know, a lot of friends who are really successful also trade war stories and say, mm-hmm. oh, I've been there. And because a lot of people who have come before us have already done this, they basically give you the map on how to navigate it. So I'm definitely leaning into my community and my friends to just tell me what I need to do to get ready for a massive book coming out. Like you've been in the immense help. I've been talking to Glenn and Doyle, you know, talk to Chase Jarvis and it's just, just getting ready. Mm-hmm. So who did you write this book for? Okay. So taking it specifically back to this book and you go, you know, The book's called Professional Troublemaker again, but the Fear Fighter Manual is the subtitle, which I just love. Like, who's it targeted at? Who's it aimed at? I wrote this book for me. (laughs) I feel like this book was something that I created for me because I like to create work that I need. You know, when I was afraid to call myself, I don't think of you as, yeah, see, like, I don't think of you as being scared. So, this is just the person you once were. This is the person that I once were, was, and can sometimes lean into sometimes. Like, I think, you know, we don't just become bold and stay bold 24 seven, right? We will have moments where we'll go, hmm, should I think that big? Or hmm, should I actually say that thing? You will still have your moments of fear here and there. Fear is not always about the big times. I think even in the small moments where you are afraid to say something that might feel scary, 
And I think I honestly wrote this book for me because I think about how 10 years ago, I was afraid to call myself a writer. I think about, you know, turning down my TED talk twice because I didn't think I was ready for it. I think about, shoot, now being afraid of what the level up looks like. You know, it's a constant reminder. And I think the best things that we do is when we create something that we need, when we feel our own need, because when we do that, we feel somebody else's need. And I think for me, this is a book that I wish I had even last year when the pandemic happened and I'm sitting in my house like, oh my gosh, what's the world going to look like? And I remember feeling convicted to be like, finish this book because this book is what you need right now. So I think about people like me, like whether or not you're bold or not, you know, people who have big dreams and who want to create impact in the world, whose lives, like their ideal lives are going to call for them to do or think bigger than they're currently doing and who are going to need to be loaned courage from time to time. So that's who I really wrote this book for is the dreamers or the people who are still afraid to become the dreamers, the very pragmatic foot on the ground folks who are just like, you know what, I'm just going to do this one thing that feels easy, do it just really well. But what happens when people are given permission, not just told they can be bold, not just told they can dream audaciously or speak the truth, but like told, I need you to. I need you to speak the truth. I need you to dream audaciously. I need you to get a Nigerian friend. Okay. I need you to build a (laughs) squad. You know, so I want my book to be permissioned for people, the permission they might not ever be given to be themselves, to be too much, you know, to be too soft if that's who they are, to be too hard if that's who they are. So it's the permission. And what about like, are you afraid of offending people? Sometimes. And yeah, like there's a whole chapter in my book called Fail Loudly, where I talk about my biggest public fail and how it knocked me off my square for a year because something I said offended thousands of people and how I recovered from it. But I realized that, and and it actually also taught me the lesson of it's less about what you say and it's more about people also some projecting themselves onto you. And it's something you can't control. That's the part that's frustrating, right? And that's the part that scares people. It's like, how do I control it? How do I make sure nobody ever gets mad at me? And I was like, you can't. You can say the sky is blue and somebody, somebody somewhere will disagree and say, I'm offended that's actually red. And that's why we cannot be tied strictly to the landing of everything that we say. We can't be tied strictly to other people's thoughts and ideas of us because it will move us away from our purpose. It's why you have to know what your compass is. You got to know what your center is and stand in it because people will want to move you off it. And it's going to be up to you to kind of drill in and say, okay, I am growing as a person, but this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like I'm supposed to be coming to help people think critically. I'm supposed to help people feel joy and I'm supposed to basically compel them to leave the world better than they found it. And in that whole purpose-driven life, I will be the villain in some people's stories. I will burn some bridges. But if at the end of it all, I actually left this world better than I found it, if I actually stood in my purpose and helped people feel more powerful, if somebody somewhere can say, I heard you speak or I read your book and it changed my life, then I've done my job. I love it. I love it. Lovey, where should you want people to go if they want to learn about Professional Troublemaker and learn about you and more like more of what you're up to? 
Yes, people can go to professionaltroublemakerbook.com, pre-order the book, come to my book tour. I'm in conversation with seven people who I think are also living purpose-driven lives that are huge and audacious. And they can find me all over social media. I am at Lovey, L-U-V-V-I-E, one word on all platforms. Okay, I got the one screen name. (laughs) You're like at the Oprah level. You got, it's just lovey. It's just lovey. That's all you need to know. Yeah. It's lovey. And I, you know, I really think that that's interesting. You know, this term earlier that you loan people courage. And I think that's what this book does. And I think that's what you do. And, you know, to that point of that last conversation where you had me in, in front of your audience is that you do give permission to people. And, and I think it is contagious and it's like you loan people courage. So, if you're listening and you don't have courage and you need to borrow some courage, get some of Lovey's in Professional Troublemaker, the Fear Fighter Manual. Thank you for giving us permission to be more bold and to be more courageous, Lovey. It's, it's really fun and inspiring to watch. Thank you so much for always sharing space with me, Rory. Like you, you changed the game a little bit for me, Rory. You changed the I said something the other day and I was like, that, that feels like a Rory Vaden quote. <laughs> I was like, that sounds very Rory Vaden. I like it. Let's keep it. Like, <laughs> that's good. I love it. Well, we wish you the best, my friend, and we'll look forward to staying tuned. Yes, indeed. That's all we've got for this episode of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. But here's some great news. One of the most valuable things you can do to help us and other new potential listeners to find our show is for you to both rate this show and leave a review. So as a special bonus for you, if you leave us a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen, take a screenshot of your review and email it to podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. We will give you free lifetime access to 25 of our most popular interviews on video in your own private members-only area. So go right now, rate us, review us, and then send a screenshot of it into podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. And we will get you set up with free lifetime access to our most popular video interviews all in one place. Also, please just share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember that building a business isn't nearly as valuable as building a reputation.